first time in his career in Formula One, George Russell can be starting on pole. And that is absolutely incredible. You made it. Come on. I am your host, Matt, and I am joined by Jashan. How are you today? Yeah, mate. Feeling pretty good. NFL fantasy season's picking up, and as the third most winningest franchise owner in our sleeper league, I'm feeling confident to take it home this year. Let's go. (laughs) Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Uh, And on today's show... I am about ready to end it all because people in red keep making my life a misery. Oscar Piastri decides to send all of F1 into complete and utter meltdown. And we bid a fond farewell to one of Formula One's favourite sons. All that and more on this A Bumper two-part episode of Rear of the Grid. Hell yeah. another week in review of wanting to kill my, I mean the Hungarian Grand Prix uh which yes. was a week and a half ago now to um slightly date this podcast we've taken a little bit of time to get to it but um we're gonna go with the defense you're, you're assuming that I managed to edit it and po- and post it by today Oh, well, I Which, mean, I, I've just, I'm dating when we recorded it. I, I mean, Jashan. Fair enough. Jashan, a podcast release is always dated by when it was released because that's when it was released. I'm dating when we're recording. I reckon I'll get it out by tomorrow, but we'll see. But um, we're going to go with the defense of we were waiting uh, in the hope that the situation would have fully resolved itself. It hasn't, but that's our defense is we just thought we'd give it some time to see if everything would shake out the way it was gonna. Um, oh, no. I mean, the defense is that... No, no, like, that's how defense... I was literally in... No, mate, 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 that doesn't... That's not a, that's not a, a good day. That's not a good defense, because that just sounds like we don't care enough about the podcast and we're fucking slack. But this was... We, we no, fucking no. waiting it out. We were waiting it out, and mate. If anyone... If, uh, I so was, I was in my run home at the, the hotel, stuff. working every single no, fucking day, no. like you doing big hours. You just don't understand how this business works. You just don't get it. What do you mean? I just oh don't think God, you get it. Mate. You're such a dick. I just don't think you get it. I was working. I was busy. I, I know. And you were I busy, know you were allegedly. Busy. And I understand. You were sick I under- and I was working. I understand it. But they don't care about that. So you tell we tell them that we... Yes, they no, do. They don't. They just want their content. This is, this is a capitalist... Alex Verde is a very understanding guy. Who wants to hear about my personal life? There is, if you can't, if you can't keep up, you fall behind and die. That is the will of the law. That, Jesus Christ, Austin ten sixteen. What if I said that I've been I've been working so hard and so often to save up for a new microphone? I mean, I don't listen to the podcast, so I couldn't give a shit about its audio quality. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have listened to the podcast. Oh, I sometimes. listen to episodes that I am not on because when I'm on them, I yeah, I lived, is... you know, I lived. Yeah, work on your self esteem, man. To uh, to quote Marshall Erickson, the only people who haven't seen Star Wars are the people that were in Star Wars because they lived the Star Wars. I don't need to listen to the podcast because I lived the podcast. Is Marshall Erickson related to Christian Erickson? Uh, or Marcus Erickson? Or he both? Could, actually, I don't know the spelling of it. He might be related to... Um, I don't know which spelling it is. Let's have a, let's have a huh. quick look-see here. Marshall. He could be related to Christian Erickson, I suppose, based on... Ah. 
<laughs> the Manchester United starting striker. I dead set <laughs> had not clocked that he'd moved to Man United, and that makes me so sad. Yeah, man, he's starting striker. <laughs> I don't know why he... Also, real quick, Matthew, before we dive into the content today, happy World Lion Day. Uh, 10th of August, of course, World Lion Day. As in... I know you hate lions. As in, I was so going to say, as in, as in the in big there. cat. Yeah, the big cat. That's... Like, call me when it's like, well, is there a World Leopard Day? I mean, there's an International Tiger Day. There is. World Leopard Day 2022. International Clouded Leopard was on the 4th of August, so we've just missed it. (laughs) Damn. Uh, Just missed International International Clouded Leopard Day. International Leopard Day was May the 3rd. We'll um, schedule that in for next year. Uh, that, that'll keep the podcast going until next yeah. year. We're gonna get <laughs> run it back for international methods. Fuck lions! They are o- the only. You know, I was gonna say fuck lions. They're overrated, and then I was gonna make the only lions that aren't overrated are the Brisbane lions. But no, lions are overrated. They overpromise and they <laughs> underdeliver. Yeah. There's only one lion to which my loyalty lies, and that is Queensland lions. Queensland. Hells yeah. But yeah, let's crack on into this because there really is a fair bit. It's been it's been a time in Formula One recently, hasn't it? You could say that. It has been a time. Um and yes, it was the Hungarian Grand Prix not too long ago. A race that was shockingly Won by Max Verstappen, because we've not seen that before this season. But it actually was shocking, because <laughs> once we get into how exactly it happened, um, I can't say anyone saw this coming, going into the race itself post-qualifying. He's he's definitely, just before that, he's really starting to give Hamilton Mercedes vibes, isn't he? Just doesn't matter what the situation is, he's just inevitable. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, annoying. something crazy happened on the qualifying. Here we go. And then Sunday rolls around and you have a good race. I, and it was. It, was a, it wasn't the greatest race, but it was a decent-ish, you know, stuff happened. And that, and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, but, but Verstappen won again. Oh. Yeah. He shouldn't have won this, though. Like, if this, if this race had been won by, say, George Russell, I'd probably have been like, fucking water race, how good. There was, like, two battles on track, and fucking Russell won. Legendary. Oh, no. But Verstappen won this race, and so as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, no, nah, mate, fucking nothing happened. Shit race. Glad I just watched the mini. What a fucking fuck around. There were plenty of battles. It was a solid enough bit of on-track action. Like, a bit of this, a bit of... Leclerc on Russell, bit of Verstappen on Russell, bit of fucking Norris Hamilton Verstappen action. There was plenty of battles. It was a good bit of racing. But yeah, no, dive race. in. You know, you've got Max Verstappen taking the win from P10 because of, I mean, a bit of a qualifying fracas. And yeah, it, it, I don't think it was quite like Hamilton because it never felt inevitable. You know what I mean? Like, for the first half of the race, it felt like, all right, maybe Ferrari have got this right and Leclerc will take this. And then, obviously, we realised that, no, Ferrari but got there's, this there's been wrong. there's been races like that with Hamilton. Like, mm. there's, whenever... That's the thing. It's the... it's the Even if it does that, but it's, I said it's more beginning to because now it's starting to be like, oh, it doesn't matter where he's coming from. Just... Yeah. Because it's, like, it's not like all of Hamilton's comeback drives have been just... <laughs> Just because of that, it's a thing. Shit just seems to fall into his lap in the way that shit just seemed to used to fall into Mercedes' lap. And, and just for context, like, Big Max had never previously won from outside the top four on the grid. So this is new territory for yeah, him. Indeed. But... Yeah, it was pretty impressive. But and, we're and getting... actually, this was, this was uh, Red Bull's only the second time in their history that they've gotten a win from outside the top six. Do you remember the last time Red Bull managed to do this? What era of Red Bull are we talking about? Uh, 2017. Oh. Well, it was probably Verstappen in that case, unless it... Oh, it could have been Danny Rick. 2017. Yeah. Ah, come on. It's a big one. I mean, I'm thinking... Gonna go back in time. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was get my best was gonna be Danny Rick Baku. 
Yes, it's Danny Rickenbacher, who also won from P10 that particular day. There you go. Well, he overtook like 75 cars in two corners, so... Yeah, well, that's it. Like, what's correct. You do that? But you we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here, because I think the first thing that we have to talk about this weekend is um, practice three, and unquestionably <laughs> the moment that the sport of Formula One peaked forever. We will never witness this level of greatness again, I don't think. Yeah, so practice three. Uh, first up, Sergio Perez down in life, last, absolute shit. But the real results we were talking about is <laughs> you're fucking, um, you're going to bed on a bloody Saturday night and you're like, oh, you yeah. know, I'm just quick, quick last check of Facebook before I go to bed. And all of a sudden it's bam, Nicholas Latifi P1, Alexander Albon P3 in a wet practice session for Williams. Goat Tifi. The yeah. fastest time. <laughs> Which is fascinating because after the weekend finished, Latifi came out and said that he thought the car was the trickiest ever he had to drive in Hungary. Like, it was the worst he'd ever felt. <laughs> I mean, he nailed that. That's it. You got, it's, that's that, that's just one lap. That's the practice is, well, like qualifying practice is really, you've only got to hook up one lap. Yeah. And we saw it. So I, think, I don't actually think the Williams was like, it's not as much of an anomaly as it, it seems like. I don't actually think the Williams was cripplingly off the pace. Certainly not Latifi's Williams. Because, to segue nicely into things. So yes, Latifi took that. That was all a good bit of fun. It's nice to see Williams up there. The GOAT topping a practice session. He's now he's led more sessions this year than Lewis Hamilton has. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that tells us everything we need to know. Yes. Um... Latifi should probably be alongside George in that seat next year. Uh, agreed. Um, obviously, he's earned it, I think, at yeah. this point. But uh, roll around qualifying, obviously. And, well, it was a slightly different tale being told. Alex Albon was P17 and Latifi would be P20. But, Jashan, I'm not sure how aware of what went on qualifying you are or aren't. Oh, I wouldn't have a clue, mate. This is your this is your territory. You take it from here. But um, Latifi actually, despite being P twenty as we were coming around, Latifi set the fastest first sector time of all of Q one, mm. and was was green <laughs> yeah. was personal best in sector two. Like Latifi was going through, and he was going through with a good fucking time. And this is possibly where the trickiness of the car comes in, because unfortunately. He got it completely crossed. Literally, it was the final corner, and he just got a huge fucking kick of, like, wheel spin and got the thing proper sideways on the exit of the final corner, which dropped him a chunk of time, and obviously he was well, well off the pace. But it could have been something quite special for... Uh, the goat, but alas, it the wasn't. Goat, indeed, he was also joined in the drop zone by uh, usual companions Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, and so, oh my God. Uh, the farewell man Sebastian Vettel. From there, Q two would see lose us both Haas drivers Lance Stroll, Zhou Guan Yu, and quite notably Sergio Perez, who had his first time initially. Uh, removed for exceeding track limits. However, upon review, this was reinstated. But obviously, they had sent Perez back out, and I believe either had done a second lap on those tyres, but then went out on a new set, because obviously there's court concerns that. But even that, that's the thing. His original time ended up being his best time in the session, and that wasn't enough to get him through, and nor could he mm. muster a time on a second set of tyres to go better. He just, yeah was weird, just didn't seem to have the pace there for Perez, and he would crash out. Um, and it would only get worse from Red Bull for there, because Verstappen would have, was it like a drive or transmission issue or something? Bit of this, bit of that, mate. Bit of this, bit of that. Just didn't, yeah, same type of power issue, wasn't getting full power, and could only manage a 118.8, half a second slower than Daniel Ricciardo, who was P9. So yeah, Verstappen up p10 so we knew we were going to have a little bit of a shake up up the top uh and the man who has found form and found confidence carlos signs had the measure of charles leclerc 
uh, again for I think the second time in only a small handful of races now. And I was fucking up and about for that. Obviously, we all know Carlos is my man, and Carlos being on pole at a track that is notoriously hard for overtaking and that I thought was going to suit the 2022 Ferrari had me very excited. But then, all of a sudden, from the heavens, comes the one man I could live with dethroning Carlos Sainz for pole. As George Russell puts in what could be argued is one of the most well-put-together laps in recent F1 memory, because he went purple in no sectors, but was the fastest overall, because it was just a consistent. There was no sectors where he was pouring. He was just really consistently good in all of them, and took pole by um, five hundredths of a second over Carlos Sainz in a massive boil-over. Mercedes' first pole of the season. I think this is Russell's maiden pole position as well. It is. It is. He's yeah. had two previous front row starts. But obviously, uh, Bottas, Bottas just pipped him to the post in his Mercedes hit out in 2020. And then yeah. obviously, yes, he put the William, his Williams on the front row in awful conditions in Spa last year. But yeah, the rest of the grid beyond that, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, Bottas, Ricardo, and Verstappen. So, a crazy grid. Norris and both Alpines ahead of Hamilton. See, Ricardo and Bottas ahead of Verstappen. Red Bull's going from 10 and 11. Clearly the fastest man this weekend, Nicholas Latifi, going from P20. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a race that had us excited. Uh, you were quite up and about um, yeah. when you were messaging me first. You'd obviously got home from work at whatever ungodly hour and had the slightest gander to discover that Russell was on pole and Verstappen, and you were like, oh, my, this could be fucking great. And I was like, all right, I don't really know what I'm expecting here. And <laughs> then Quali happened, and I was like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, <sighs> but, yeah, I think we are all excited going into the race. So, Shin, were you, yeah, optimistic of what we were going to get heading into the Sunday? Feverous anticipation, sir. Feverous anticipation from yours truly, Jashan BV. Is how I would describe it. I was very excited, yes. Would you say that you had fever in the morning, fever every night and day? Give me fever in the morning, fever all through the night, you give me fever. What a, what a banger. Hell yeah. Uh, I was keen as a bean yeah. this one, mate. I'd, I'd have to say I was as well. I... I I'm sitting here in a rather brilliant position of my two favourite drivers starting on the front row. The guy I'm, you know, rooting for in the what is in theory the championship battle starting P three compared to in theory P ten. <laughs> Not that much of a well, battle. Exactly. Um, so yeah, reason to be excited going into this race. Would it deliver? Was the big question. Indeed. And uh, I'm trying to decide where I want to start roll around Sunday. <laughs> probably should have decided mm, on this beforehand. <laughs> probably, but, mate, you've you've not done any prep, and I've been busy, I don't know, living life. Just oh, so when I'm way. busy, it's because I don't care about the podcast and I'm a mess. But when you're busy, it's because you're living life. How exactly have you been well, living life, Matthew? Oh, just by doing anything other than the podcast. But Playing the Power the Wash is, Simulator? You are, yeah, you're a sports journalist and this is your sports podcast. This oh is what God. you've spent your whole life building towards. Whereas for me, I'm a town planner. So this is in theory just an extracurricular activity. How much town planning have you been doing recently? Mate? Oh, I'm not doing any town planning. And that's that's cause for concern. But in the same <laughs> way, it's cause for concern that you're not doing enough dedication to this podcast, your chosen profession. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're not... We're not... This is... When we, when we get on the town planning podcast, and I've not planned any towns recently, you can get on my case. <laughs> get on the town planning to podcast? <laughs> You can get on my case about the lack of dedication to planning towns. Just start uh, playing fucking um, Sim City, man, and you'll be fine. City Skylines, mate. Wait yeah, City Skylines. But uh, shall so we yeah. get stuck into the race, Matthew? We shall. So, hands up, hands up, if going into the race that you thought the podium would end up being Verham Russ. 
<laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of hands. No. Uh, and hands up as well if you thought Perez from P11 was going to finish ahead of Leclerc. No, I didn't. But, I, mean, I thought Perez yeah. would get would you know would make some overtakes, get some points, but to, oh, to finish ahead of Leclerc, not so sure about that one, Chief. Mm. And yet here we are. Oh what a time God. to be alive. But how did we get there? Jashan, Tire strategy, mate. Indeed. Jashan, I believe you have recently reviewed some of what went on in the race. So I'm going to yes. hand it to you to sort of take yes. us through till about the end of stint two. Okay. Let's in do this. it. And then Let's I think we'll pick up with the big stories from the race. So what sort of recap for me what happened in the first couple of stints, the early stages of the race? For sure. Look, it was a big day. It was a big day for tyres. It was a big day for tyres. Big day for strategy. Big day for the boffins down there, you know, swapping it out, talking strategy, getting amongst it. It was also a day that threatened rain. So there was always that kind of cloud overhead, like, ooh, will it rain? twenty twenty vibes. It never did. It never rained. Um, there was a slight drizzle towards the end of the race, but ultimately we'd be um, voided of that possibility. But yes, off the start, you had Science making a real, a real push around the outside on George. George would hold on for P1, and ultimately, but that that made for quite an entertaining little battle up the front there. And we had two collisions. Um, Albon and Vettel and Magnussen and Ricardo would both make contact with one another. We'd see a VSC pop out. Everyone slows down. The feverish anticipation translates to a bit of a lull, a bit of a feverish lull as we wait for the, uh, the boffins, the aforementioned boffins to sort everything out, remove some debris, etc., I think we saw Magnussen pick up damage and end up getting, being forced to, to take a pit stop again, which is... <laughs> having, I've never seen the black and orange flags, flags come out ever before, and now I've seen them twice, and both for Kevin Magnussen, which it just makes me a very happy guy. K-Mag is a unique character. But what we did see was off the VSC restart, fucking George Russell, that, that bloke... That bloke knows how to start an engine. Like, that bloke knows how to put his foot to the pedal at the opportune moment. He's got some banging starts, man. Because he just gapped it. And, like, the rest of the field were just kind of there, chilling. And, oh, wait, Russell's a few seconds ahead. Oh, fuck, we've got to start racing now. And that kind of gave Russell... Because he was on used softs, mind you, whereas a bunch of the field were on the mediums. A few kids were on softs. No one was on hards. Let's put let's put that out there. No one was on hards. The commentary notably, team made a point. The um, Red Bulls made a last second call to go onto the softs. Yeah. Um, and inverse that strategy. The, the the commentary team made a specific point at the start of the race. Like today, uh, Corinne Chandler. Today is not the day for hards. Doesn't look like the day for hards today, fellas. Like a soft medium type. It looks like a soft medium medium type day or a medium medium type day. Um, but yeah, Russell used those softs pretty well. Get out a pretty good lead, and he would retain that lead till the first stint. I want to say around lap fifteen or so. Let me double check. Seems plausible enough. It sounds. It seems plausible, doesn't it? Uh, I think. I think it was. Oh, yes, lap 15, yes, which is where Russell himself pitted, and Verstappen would pit a lap later, having already gained five spots to take P5, Uh, the Alpines and the McLaren of Norris didn't really put up a lot of uh, fight, it must be said, uh, between those those middle spots for Verstappen and, and Perez and Hamilton and the like. Really kind of just let them through. We didn't have a Alonso holding off Hamilton for five laps situation like we did last year. Unfortunately, this was a case of, you know, your top three cars were fighting and then the rest of the the rest of them were doing their own thing. Alas. But yeah, most, most cars pitted around that lap 15 mark, except for obviously your boy Charles Leclerc, who stayed out, extended to about lap 22. 
um, to go for the overcut, which would help him get past Saints, um, but not past Russell or Verstappen, those kind of guys. So, you know, Russell leading after the first stint from Leclerc from Saints, and I think you had Verstappen and P4 at that point. Now, stint two, Verstappen's making gains, doing his thing, creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. Um, at this point, you kind of felt that Leclerc and Verstappen would be the battle. What's what's happened here? So obviously, Red Bull's decision to go the softs meant mm-hmm. that Red Bull's strategy would obviously be soft stint, medium, medium. That's your three stints, your two stops. Now, obviously, by starting on the mediums, Ferrari could either go medium, soft, medium, or medium, medium, soft, or yes, mm-hmm. you could put a hard on somewhere. The hard, obviously, yes, the consensus was the hard was probably not going to be a great tyre, even before the race. The Alpines would go on to prove that. Um, Already, things are a little bit in tatters when, obviously, with the pace of things and how long the soft runners were able to eke out the softs. I think Russell and sort of Verstappen, when they pitted in that, the medium runners didn't, it wasn't like the medium runners continued on their way. They all kind of pitted when the soft runners pitted. Which already is kind of like, is that not negating the whole fucking point of being on mediums? Mm-hmm. Like already to me a little bit, that's Ferrari running scared or you've, you've fucked up. Because now you're trying to cover off, but you shouldn't be trying to cover off because it's leaving you vulnerable at the end when in theory you'll now have a longer stint to do on the softs because yeah. you didn't run the mediums as long. Especially because um, the overcut had worked. Leclerc had overtaken Russell for the lead around lap 30. Like he had done it. He was in the lead. Yes. It's a good move, too. And as well, from that that point, I think arguably, if you're worried about battles at the end and final stops, I think the time to put the softs on would have been... You could have gone softs in stint two, or at least, at some point, split the fucking cars. So put one of the cars on softs for stint two and one on for stint three, because at least then, if you're worried about undercuts... You can pit to take off the softs at roughly the same time or before, and then you're both on mediums to finish, mm-hmm. and it's all that. Because, yeah, so obviously they roll through, and Verstappen pits for mediums again with uh, whatever it was, 20-something laps to go or whatever. Yeah, lap And now Ferrari's, Ferrari's like, oh, well, you know, Verstappen's obviously going fast and us making inroads, so we need to, you know, it's the thing. They either had to pit to cover him off, but there was no way they were going to be able to do that long on soft. So if you pit to cover him off and the defensive route, obviously you've got to put on hards, but that's the thing. You just keep running and put the softs on at the end and back that even if he has undercut you, that you've got the softs and you can come back fast. And guess what? We saw it with Hamilton. Hamilton finished P2. Hamilton exited his pit stop box at the very least behind Russell and Sainz. I think he may have been behind Perez as well. Mm-hmm. And he passed all three of those cars, Sainz, who was on the softs himself, yeah. on route to finishing P2. Leclerc had a five-second lead. He had Have a five-second lead when they belief. put I just, Man. yeah. I know I know. friend of the show, Spencer. His uh, friend of the show now. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he kind of disagreed with me. Oh, well, he was, he was a bit like, oh, you know, you're being all, like, hindsight and perfect in that. But, like, it just felt, the second they put it on, like, on that, and I was like, that just seems, like, I even that giving thought, I was like, this just doesn't vibe of conditions where, it, like, cards will be good. Like, across all categories and that, getting tyres up to temp had been difficult all weekend. Due to the weather. So... Just how, yeah, it just, it baffled the mind, Ferrari's call, to put him on hards. Mm. And shockingly, he could get no temp into them, and was very quickly run down and passed by Verstappen. Yeah. To give Verstappen the lead. Verstappen would promptly do a fucking pirouette at the second to last corner, a full spin which let Leclerc back by, and about one lap later, he just overtook him again. Yeah. And started to drive onto the sunset, at which point they were like, well, fuck, this tyre is going to be awful. Who knows where we'll finish? And then they pitted Leclerc and put him on softs. But let's see, the damage was done. The race was ruined. 
they went with the soft hire strategy for signs, which um, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure it was a bit of a slow stop. So they probably cost possibly a podium because he was only a couple of seconds behind Russell and it was not a good stop for memory. So Ferrari being Ferrari, but yeah, just... Yeah, the tyre change was slow. So he, he pitted in P2 on lap 48. It was him and Hamilton running out there with their elongated stints, but he came out fifth. Um, yeah. Unfortunate. And they pitted just just before Stroll and Ricardo collided mid-pit stop to bring out the yellow flags. They could have snuck in a cheeky one, but you never know with these things. Lord knows. Ricardo got a five-second time penalty for that one. Bit of a meme. Big Danny Rick. Shouldn't be in the sport, mate. He's garbage. <laughs> but yeah, it was just... We um we obviously made the whole jokes in the segment of, you know, Ferrari's strategy is worse than last week. Um, fucking jumped the gun on that one, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Because this was just a whole new layer of what the fuck are you doing? Because yeah. at least with the signs one in France, it was signs. That's your unspoken kind of number two driver. At the very least, he was the one who got the slower start to the year. So he kind of had to fall into kind of more the secondary role. Charles is your chance at the championship in theory this year. Mm. So at least, And he was already out. So at least you were fucking any chance of getting yourself on the podium. But at least you were, you know, fucking the, not as that. This was just straight up fucking their chance at, like, a title and that. And just pissing away... That's the thing. Because Leclerc... I think they pissed... Obviously, they pissed it away in France, but, like, Leclerc crashed. And by all accounts, he... I don't know. It's hard to say, but, like, he did just crash. There's nothing... been Nothing conclusive to say something went wrong with the car. Yeah. He just, I don't know, pushed it a bit too hard on tyres that were dying. Or whatever. And McClure is kind of want to do that. After all, in his own words, he is stupid. Um, <laughs> but oh, this this God. time is just completely fucky. Their, their main rival qualified in P10. And absolutely was there a feeling that very easily Verstappen could drive back to P3? Sure. But they should only have ever really been letting him finish. Maybe, maybe P2 if he's good enough to, you know, dust off signs and that. But they let him get, in the end, not just the race win, but a comfortable and easy and uncon- uncontested race mm-hmm. win. And another and double Mercedes podium as well. No car on the podium. And yeah, P4, P... That's, that's one thing, sure. I, like... And I know, obviously, the argument would be they thought Hards was the best chance to win the race because if they got them up to temp, they would have the track position and everything. But, mm-hmm. like, if they'd run long and put him on softs, at worst, he would have been finishing P2. And I yeah. just, I don't know. Like, it felt like every other team out there could see the way to go. And that's the thing. It just feels so many missteps. The first misstep was... Why did they run so short on the mediums the first time around? Why, if Red Bull was able to identify that maybe starting on the softs is actually a better call than that, why wasn't Ferrari able to make that identification? Well, they say too, but Russell started on the softs as well. Putting putting the softs off in the second stint so that you could match off the final pit stop and pit at the same time as them with no undercut in the final stint. Yeah. And put on mediums. Just so many questions. And the biggest thing I think out of this, as well, I assume you, Jashan, have probably seen some of the comments from Bonotto in the last week or so. Yeah, that they don't need to change and that they're, they're, they're on just, track. It's, <laughs> it's just like a blatant denial of the fact that there has been mistakes. Yeah. It's one, actually, I think, I can't think of it, I think it might have been um, Matt Gallagher from... WTF one, I think on Twitter I saw him make the comment. Uh, it's one thing to have made all the mistakes that Ferrari have, yeah. But to double down on the fact that you've not necessarily or like not acknowledging those mistakes and there's nothing wrong, nothing needs to change, is just like, 
That's the thing. Well, I think we were saying it last time. This is uh, this is in many ways. This is now a fourth generation of Ferrari just crushing the soul and like the hopes and the dreams of a high-caliber driver. Certainly the third. I don't know oh, whether Massa yeah. really counts. Seeing so the, Leclerc the, in tears the, after the, this, yeah. it was, it was pretty like, hard. The despondent, because the, the picture, so there's four pictures, the four picture that gets shown is like the four four different looks of absolute just despondency of um, Massa, Alonso, Vettel, and now Leclerc. Yeah. I don't, Massa doesn't really count. Um, Massa over-delivered in that year, and I don't know whether, I, well, I don't know enough about the 2000 and, seven or eight season to actively say or oh, did ferrari do heaps wrong and fuck massa out of that title because of it but like massa was you know briefly world champion and massa was like massa was world champion for about seven seconds and then you know is that glock happened and hamilton mm. got the one last place he needed and was world champion but um they had fernando alonso in my memory of things i believe he was there in 2009 i don't think i ever saw fernando alonso drive a renault maybe maybe one year of fernando alonso renault but they had alonso for Three or four years, I think at least, and a couple of periods, like in the um, Alonso was there in obviously the Vettel years, and twice in the two years that Vettel didn't, you know, dust the field, Alonso was proper in contention because he was that good. But Ferrari never really gave him the car to yeah. truly get the job done, and then they found ways. That's the three or so out of the five years or whatever it was with Vettel, they didn't really give him a car that could get the job done. And in a couple of years, they did. Like, they had the lead. They had the better car than Mercedes in one year and were in front halfway through the championship. And then they just found a whole bunch of ways to fuck things, completely (laughs) blow it, and Mercedes won the title. And now we're doing it again with, like, Ferrari has had in the... 13 years or whatever now that I've been watching this sport, Ferrari has probably had three of perhaps, I'd say probably the 10 best drivers to have been in Formula 1 in that time period. And unless there's a massive turnaround in form this season, they're going to have come away with exactly zero drivers and zero Constructors' Championships in that time when the worst driver lineup they have fielded in that entire period of time is probably Alonso and Massa. And that's no disrespect to Massa, but I would say Massa is the worst of the six guys who have driven Ferrari in that period of time. I do personally believe Carlos Sainz is a better driver than Felipe Massa. That's, or maybe, maybe this is the worst lineup they've fielded. Sainz and Leclerc. It's certainly the only lineup that does not contain a world champion or someone who was world champion for seven seconds. Yeah. Um, but none of the thing, none of these lineups, the lineups have been Alonso Massa and then uh, Alonso Raikkonen, Raikkonen Vettel, Vettel Leclerc, Leclerc Sainz. You would give, other teams would give so much for those lineups. Oh, dude. And they're, they're now 97 points behind the constructors and they're 80 points behind in the drivers' championship. Like, I don't think there really is a way back from here. I mean, there might be, who knows. But I think all money's with Red Bull at this point, at this stage. Oh, they, they got exactly. a worse result here than they did at the Hungaro Ring last year when Sainz got a podium, thanks to Sebastian Vettel's disqualification. Like, Where are we at in terms of the um, overall picture? Again, Perez bad. is now five points behind Leclerc. Oof. Like, we're about to be... We are genuinely, no, potentially, no more than one race weekend away from Max's biggest rival being Perez, <laughs> who is easily the most clearly identifiable number two driver of the big three teams. Oh, yeah. Like, we know Perez is a number two. There is no distinctive designation of, you know, who the number two driver is at Ferrari or Mercedes. But while Red Bull have never said Perez is a number two driver, we know Perez is the number two driver. Ridiculous. And he's about to be the closest contender. That's how... Yeah, and that's the thing. I only... Weep to consider what the constructor was. You saying what ninety seven points is the gap in the constructors' standings, mm. which is yeah, just obscene. 
It is obscene. It's it's disappointing as well. It's disappointing because we know that Ferrari that car has the pace to be competitive. We act we know it. In theory, they have the best car on the grid. We saw that earlier in the season. They've got the they've got the fucking pace. Bar none, but it, they're just not. They're finding ways to fuck it up again and again and again. Who knows? Maybe the driver break will give them a chance to reset and refocus and, and um, come back at the second half of the season with a renewed sense of Doubt. vigor. Doubt. Doubt. Yeah, and especially Doubt. since Doubt. they Doubt. saw Doubt. they saw the Alpines go onto the hards. And they, they would have seen the data, surely. That's their job, right? The strategists and whatnot. They look at the data. They they, they analyze it all. They would have seen, oh, these, these blokes are low on pace. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> let's avoid that particular strategy. And they were like, nah, fuck it. Let's do it anyway. We're Ferrari. We can do whatever we want. Oh, jeez. And watching Charles just, like, slide... When, when Max passed him that first time, you see the complete lack of grip on his car, on Leclerc's car. He's just sliding around, and it's just like, ah. Oh, why have we done this, boys? Why have we done this? It was a good race up to that point. Like I said, like Leclerc's battle with Russell was very entertaining. Verstappen's forging through the uh, the grid there, especially on, on Hamilton well, yes. and Norris was let's, really nice. Let's, if we want to segue things away, because we can genuinely, I think we could probably, I mean, maybe we will. We've got a whole podcast we could probably do on just how Ferrari Ferrari is. Yeah. Uh, and their continued ability to somehow increasingly Ferrari closer to the sun with each week. Um, <laughs> but let's talk yeah. about happier things. Now, Jashan. If I was to say to you the name Hannah Schmitz, do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Yeah, she's um, a Red Bull strategist, right? Indeed. So Hannah Schmitz is the principal strategy engineer for the Red Bull racing team. Having steadily risen up through the ranks there after getting her master's and degree in mechanical engineering from uh, University of Cambridge, she was their modeling and, sim- well, a modeling and simulation engineer for Red Bull from 09 until 11. Then she spent a decade as a senior strategy engineer, and from last year, she has been their principal uh, strategy engineer. And I believe she was obviously, well, at the very least played a part, if not was the big one, big driving force behind this call to start on the softs, like late call to start on the softs, I believe. Um, yeah, there's been a few other times where she's played some very key strategy decisions and it's interesting see all of a sudden she seems to yeah be in the headlines getting the attention which has probably been uh long deserved and nice to see obviously in terms of my knowledge of the sport the only other really prolific uh woman in formula one that i can name was obviously claire williams who was the acting team principal for williams for the best part of a decade um but yeah, we've got, you know, another name. And I mean, I was thinking to myself just recently, I mean, I see no reason why if she's risen all the way up through, you know, I don't know the exact career path that like team principals go on, but I wouldn't <laughs> have seen thought and seen any reason that like a, you know, principal strategy engineer in that. I don't know. Is that not a logical path to possibly being a team principal one day? I'm sure LP would rather hire her than their current clown. Who's that? Oh, yes, of course. Our favourite, our favourite team principal on... Big man. The grid. But Big yeah. off mode. Um, and yeah, obviously that, that Red Bull strategy, for everything you talk about what the fuck was Ferrari doing, Red Bull nailed the strategy. They produced a strategy that got both of their out-of-position cars back to reasonable results. Perez was able to drive it back to P5. Indeed. Which, you know... For what your normal expectations of Perez is, I would say you'd be pretty happy for him to turn a P11 into a P5. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, Verstappen won the race, and he won it easily. Yes, he did. And even if Ferrari hadn't have made the colossal fuck-up, I think probably Verstappen was finishing P2, which is far beyond, like, you You would have been happy if, if, you know, I think with Red Bull, you'd be relatively happy if, you know, you recover that to a P5 or something, and Leclerc oh, yeah. wins the race, and you've done good damage control. So the fact that they would were on to finish P2, but, brilliant, they have, 
really become and taken over that mantle for Mercedes. It's just nailing all the right decisions when they need to. Oh, just, as I said earlier, just building that um, sense of inevitability. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not necessarily ready to call it inevitability just yet. It's because I think we spend more time on these podcasts talking about how Ferrari fucked up rather than how Red Bull... You say that, but Verstappen, Verstappen is on pace for the single best season in F1 history, so... Ah, mate, that is... Oh, oh that is insane. What a man. I, what a time I believe, to be alive. I need to do that, but certainly his best ever season, but I, I think he's at similar sort of pace as someone Hamilton's best seasons in terms of wins. Possibly oh, yeah. Like, oh, look, I, I, yeah, I think Ferrari... May well come back into form and, and and sneak some wins in the latter half of the season. If not, Mercedes have been steadily improving. They could snag a win here or there. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. This was, I think, Hamilton's fifth consecutive podium, which is the longest active streak currently in the sport. He's looking good. He got the fastest lap as well. So, I did Max not podium. Uh, I don't know. Probably... Oh, he came fourth somewhere. Or he came that, that, maybe that race that science won? Yeah, maybe. Maybe? Big maybe. Seems plausible. Uh, uh, schedule. Schedule. Skadoosh. Nice. Um, yeah, yes, you're right. Britain. Britain. He finished seventh in Britain. Oh, because he was carrying the damage the whole race. Yeah, Great Britain. Science, Hamilton, Perez. So Hamilton's now finished. The duel with Schumacher. Hamilton's gone P2, P2, P3, P3, P3. In his last five. Going back, working backwards, that is. Looking pretty yes. good. Looking pretty Well, one more, good. one more P2 and then he's on to the P1s. He also hasn't been beaten by Russell since Azerbaijan, which is a little sneaky one there for you. Lewis Hamilton finding some form, making it happen, making it happen. Still, yes, a top of session this year, though. Yeah, he's he's no Nicholas Latifi, I'll tell you that. Clearly, sure. clearly washed up. But he also he, uh, he took a record in Hungary for the most laps led at a single venue in championship history because he's he's quite good at the Hungaro ring historically. Oh yeah, mate. Lewis. Bit of a. Do you want to quickly do a bit of a um spur of the moment uh, mid podcast Hamilton fact? Yeah, man, we're making it happen. The old record was held by Bill Vukovic at the Indianapolis 500, which was obviously a championship round back in the 1950s. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> it, was 11, it was Hamilton's 11th podium finish at the Hungaro Ring and his fifth... How many, well, can I have how many, how many laps has he led at Hungary? I don't know. It doesn't say. You have to you have to call just, up Sean Kelly for that. The, uh, that this is the this virtual is, stat this is man. Poor, this is poor both secondary and primary journalism on display here. Give give virtual stat man Sean Kelly a call. Why don't you? Because he's got he's got the data. Oh, you're pulling stuff from the virtual stat man. Yeah, love that. Love yeah. that. <laughs> good good Twitter follow. Verstappen and Hamilton have now finished one two in a Grand Prix in any order. 31 times, which is a lot. One behind Rosberg and Hamilton, correct? (laughs) Did you know that Nico Rosberg actually beat Lewis Hamilton in the same machinery? Did you? Did he? I've never... He's never mentioned it either, but no one ever talks about it. No No one one ever talks about it. Yeah, Nico Rosberg, very talented. Uh Did you know he retired straight after winning as well? He just fucking beat him and was like, I'm fucking done. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Oh, my days. And just to hammer home that point that maybe Mercedes are finding some more pace as we finish the season, they led more laps in Hungary than they had done in all other races combined this season. So, who good, knows? Good weekend for the uh, Silver Arrows. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're pretty... They're, they're getting close to Ferrari. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm starting to honestly I fully reckon Mercedes finishes second in the constructor yeah. standings. Yeah, I wouldn't it's... be surprised. So yeah, there was the Ferraris, Red Bulls, and Mercedes took up the top six. Then Lando Norris took his third consecutive P7, uh, Alpines, P8, P9, and then Sebastian Vettel won that particular battle with his teammate for P10. Oh, name a more iconic duo than um, 
Force, the, the Force Indians, the Aston Martins <laughs> in battling for the last point. I know, it's great. I actually really like it. Uh, it's, it's good laughs. I mean, uh, in theory, you want to see some Alpha Tauris in there or some Alpha Romeos or something, but Bottas keeps retiring and, and Joe's not quite there pace-wise you know, and the Alpha Tauris are apparently garbage. So, Lord Indeed. knows what's happening. In <laughs> Over there in Toro but, Russia um, land. Yeah, so safe to say. <laughs> sorry, safe, safe to say. Me? I yawned. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a good. It was a really good didn't, yawn. Didn't realize that was a crime. But, you... but yes, yeah, safe to say it was not the weekend we were expecting it to be. Oh. Um, going into the race in the end, and like it's been a week and a half, and I'm still a bit in disbelief and just like frustration mm. it's just yeah as as someone who has basically an adopted ferrari fan this year through my favorite driver there and just the fact that i've literally with the exception of my debut season 2009 i've never not seen red bull or mercedes come out on top in this fucking sport so i just <laughs> want something different yeah. um i just fucking hate ferrari so much and by process all this season all this year is done <laughs> is completely validated all of my Italian-related prejudices. Let's not bring racism into the equation, shall we? Let's keep prejudice, it civil. Prejudice and racism are two different things. What? Because Italians Was... aren't technically a race. That's uh, Italian isn't an ethnicity. <laughs> Just to be specific, Carlos Sainz didn't have one slow stop. He had two slow stops. He did, didn't <laughs> And uh. the strategy of medium, medium, hard, and then and then soft, was a strategy that was not in any of Pirelli's pre-race suggested strategies. So even Pirelli were just sitting there like, fellas, what are you doing? And we know Pirelli don't really know what they're doing either. So, oh, Jesus. Uh, Huge reset needed. What is the point? So that's our recap of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, so much has happened this week that we're actually going to split up the episode. So uh, this will bring to a close part one. And uh, yeah, keep keep posted and tune in shortly for our part two, where we get into a bit of a silly season action. I'm going to find energy around this place.